Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your Truthiest Life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. It's your host, Lisa Haim, and I'm sitting down to share the real postpartum with all of you. This episode came highly requested, and to be honest, I've sat down a bunch of times the past two weeks to try and record this, and I just kept feeling like I couldn't get it right. I realize now that it was because I was trying to fully encapsulate, fully give you the full experience of what I've gone through and what postpartum is really like because it's really not spoken about very much. But I've come to realize that it's kind of an impossible thing to do because until you live it, you just can't fully digest and grasp all the different things that happen. I think the author John Medina of a book called Brain Rules for Baby, a really great book on how the brain develops for children, says it best. In the book, he has a quote that says, Having a first child is like swallowing an intoxicating drink made of equal parts joy, terror, chased with a bucket full of transitions that no one tells you about. And this quote says it all. There is so much amazingness and then there's so much that just feels so daunting and scary. And then there's also feelings of, oh, I just figured it out that are then followed by moments of, oh, wait, now things are different again every single day. There are hormone changes happening to me, mom. There is a new language to learn. There's a zillion different products on the market 
that all have words that you don't know what they mean and what they do and what you actually need. And then there's your own body going through recovery. Then, of course, there's the fact that on top of all of that, you need to keep a human alive that requires you to feed it, to change it, to understand why it's crying when it doesn't speak the English language. And all of this is happening while you're sleep deprived. It is a super, super, super lonely experience at the time. And instead of trying to prep you for this or have you brace yourself, my goal in creating this episode is to just make sure that in those moments where you feel really alone, where you feel like you can't do it, to know that you're not alone, that lots of people have gone through exactly what you're going through, and that you too will get through it. I hope that my voice serves as a reminder in those days and times that you absolutely are doing exactly what you need to be doing and your entire experience is valid and that you will get through it. I think what really is the hardest part of all of it is the sleep deprivation. It's a huge trigger for mental health related things like anxiety and depression on its own and add that on top of the hormonal changes and a huge life change that just happened and it just leaves you a huge mess. You're agitated, you're emotionally unregulated, you're snapping off over little and big things, you're unable to decipher what is a little thing, what is a big thing, and it really messes with your ability to be rational and sane in a time where you really feel like you need to be really sane because you've got to keep, again, this little thing alive that's so brand new and doesn't come with an instruction manual. I'm all about sleep pre this stage of life, and I think that it's it's so important for our health physically and our well-being mentally and to be honest I don't think there's a way to do this job without sleep deprivation so know that it's normal know that it really messes with you and know that in those moments that you feel crazy and just know that sleep is really critically missing from your life at this time and it's really contributing to all the ways that you feel I want to give a shout out to everyone who listened to our birth story, parts one and part two. If you missed our wild story of my less than four hour labor at home that happened with no real medical professionals except for my husband, go ahead and head back a few episodes ago to give it a listen. As I shared in episode one of the birth story, I was super prepared and studied up on labor and birth. I thought that was the hard part. I, I had developed this huge fear around about birth and spent all of my time in pregnancy really reducing that fear so that I could have a fear-free labor. And while I did a great job in executing there, I really failed to consider what this next stage would be like. I did some courses on things like diaper changing and breastfeeding, and I knew a little bit about that, but I totally had no idea what the postpartum experience would be like. In fact, I thought that it was going to be a lot of lounging around, watching Law & Order, eating vegan food with Evan, maybe putting him on my story, watching him review some good things. I knew I'd be tired, like you get the memo that when you're a mom, you're tired, but I thought it would be like a fun tired. I did not realize how demanding it would be physically and mentally. If I'm not learning a new thing for the baby, I am physically tied up feeding her. I'm breastfeeding right now every two to three hours. There hasn't been even a moment to turn the TV on, and it's been two months now, by the way, or to relax and even write a blog post. It's only until really recently, actually, did I come up for air, did I feel like I was starting to find my way again, that I could actually take a step back and marvel at my daughter. It's literally taken just about two months to get to that place where I'm like, wow, you're amazing. 
because you're so deep in it and you're drowning in so many ways that it all just feels completely impossible and that robs you of the joy that is is right in front of your eyes. In today's episode, I plan to talk about the physical recovery that I was not prepared for, as well as the emotional side of postpartum. I'm also going to answer a bunch of the questions that were submitted via Instagram. Let's start with the physical recovery that mom goes through. So I'm going to share my specific physical recovery. Everybody is unique. Every birth is different. But (laughs) nonetheless, there is a recovery period that really should be honored. In some cultures, the mom really is supposed to take it easy for 40 days It's really encouraged that you do very, very little. But of course, here we don't really talk about that because we're in such a do, 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 go, go, go culture. I really didn't focus on how important rest would be and how vital it would be for my physical body to recover from the childbirth experience. I'd say the most frustrating part of it is how dependent on others I was when I was really eager to just be the caretaker for my baby. So from the moment after giving birth, again, I thought that was the hard part. I failed to realize that the hard part was really just beginning. And from needing help to go to the bathroom immediately after labor to days and weeks after relying on Evan to get me a glass of water or go down to the kitchen to make me a meal, I really didn't realize how dependent I would be. And I found that very frustrating. You know, in in pre-baby life, if I needed a glass of water, I could get up and go get it. In this new life, for at least the first week or two, if I needed a glass of water, I'd have to say, hey, can you get me a glass of water? And I'm so used to to on-demand caring for myself that even a lag of time, five minutes, is kind of frustrating when you just want to get the glass of water or you just want to eat something. And so it was very challenging to rely on somebody and and have to continuously ask for things. Even though Evan was great at providing for me, it just, again, that it was frustrating to not be able to just get up and go. Immediately post-labor, I remember walking back to the bed, lying down, and noticing that my legs were just shaking. And it made me very fearful that something was wrong. It was only until someone on my Instagram said, oh, those are the birthquakes, did I realize that it's completely normal. So after you give birth, you kind of think that's kind of the part where your body feels out of control. But afterwards, you're still being flooded with hormonal changes. And one of the things that happens is your body shakes uncontrollably. And it was one of those things that I kind of wish I knew to expect. So I'm throwing it in now that it's completely normal and it goes away. Second thing I wish I knew immediately post-labor is that even if you feel amazing, you're riding this high, your body just went through something huge. And it's essential that when you go to have your first pee, you are attended by a professional or somebody to walk you to the bathroom. A couple hours after labor, I was ready to go and my doula and my midwife were like, nope, you just can't get up like that. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. I feel fine. And I lifted my head up and things started to go black and I was very close to passing out. It probably took me 15 minutes to go from bed to bathroom. And it's really important that you recognize that you can't accurately feel your body the way you usually can. And to make sure that to keep yourself safe, you are asking for help, even if you don't feel like you need help. That first pee is very weird. It's an important one. They need to make sure that you're urinating. I had some tearing, so it was a bit painful, and I had to begin to learn how to pee, actually, now that I have these tears. 
So there was a learning process to peeing and then learning how I'm going to be peeing for the next few weeks as my body repairs itself. Bleeding happens for weeks. I was prepared for, you know, blood happening during labor. I didn't realize that I'd be bleeding even outside of the tear for days and weeks following. For me, it took three weeks, I believe, for the bleeding to stop, which meant that I was in adult diapers and wearing pads and very uncomfortable for a while. Because I experienced the tearing in the way that I specifically did, peeing was very painful. And strangely enough, something I never thought about before is once you have these tears, you have to take really good care of them, which means you can't wipe with toilet paper. So I had to learn how to pee using this Perry bottle. It's a great squirt bottle that clears the area after you pee and you also spray the peri bottle as you urinate so that it doesn't burn as much. Again, not everybody has the same exact experience, but because of the nature of the tears that I had, this was an essential step. And again, something I was totally unprepared for. I loved the peri bottle from the brand Frida. I thought it was really great. And if anybody here is listening and does have some tears, I want to also remind you to hydrate, hydrate, hydrate because urine is acidic. So in order to make that peeing as less painful as possible, I do want to encourage you to drink as much as you possibly can so that it is more diluted. Other things you want to be on the lookout for is the scary first poop. Never thought about that before. It's very scary to have your first bowel movement after labor and it also may be difficult because of your diet because you're not moving your body because of all of these things i do recommend having colace and tylenol on hand for the postpartum experience i'm happy to report that mine was totally fine it just felt scary and i do credit a bit of the colace to that colace is a stool softener and i want to just make sure that when you do go find a stool softener, you make sure to not get a laxative. A laxative will cause GI cramping, and it is the last thing you need in postpartum when you're already going through so much. So again, my physical recovery from the private part situation took about two to three weeks for that bleeding to stop, which also meant, you know, just not feeling like myself. I had to be in sweatpants around the house, wearing these diapers. You just feel very, very, very unsexy and very unlike yourself because you can't wear your normal clothes. I couldn't wear leggings and it just wears on you a lot. Body-wise, I I haven't weighed myself. It's not something that I personally care about. There's definitely this weird being in an in-between body where your old clothes don't fit and your pregnancy clothes don't fit and you're not going to go buy new clothes and therefore getting dressed has always was a bit of a challenge for me. The conversation around body bounce back kind of needs to be canceled and I'm not a fan of cancel culture, but... This is one thing that definitely needs to be canceled, or at least let's talk about it and dissect what's really happening. A woman's body going back to how it was is not just not feasible for many. It's also the last thing a woman needs to be worrying about. And the fact that it's on the forefront of many moms' minds, I think also robs a lot of us of the enjoyment that can come with being a new mom. I have heard more in my lifetime about how to get a body back after pregnancy instead of how to be mentally okay after pregnancy. And that is really disturbing now that I'm on this side and see all the huge shifts that actually happen. I think that the culture of bounce back also has a lot of privilege laced into it that not a lot of people acknowledge or talk about simply because if you have it, you don't know that you have it. 
But having access to nutrient-dense foods, let alone time to cook it, isn't one that many people have. On top of being able to exercise once you're cleared, most new moms, now that I've been cleared, you know, you don't have the time to go to the gym or carve out an hour to yourself. And I think seeing how quote unquote easy it is in the media, whether that's magazines or social media, really doesn't highlight the reality and privilege that's laced into that experience for many people that a lot of people, most people don't have. I also want to acknowledge that I have all that privilege, including thin privilege. I have naturally always occupied a thin body by all standards before, during, and after pregnancy, and it's one that society likes to applaud. And I also want to mention here that food has taken on a new role for me. I have a new hyper-focus on food in a healthy way, not in a disordered eating way where I used to obsess about it, but what I mean is it's the one time of day that I don't feel guilty for doing something that doesn't have to do with the baby. And so in doing so, I really soak up that time that I'm eating. I also have access to have healthy food on hand, nutrient dense food and an education, which allows me to make great choices around food and prepare it and have time to do so. But I imagine somebody with limited income, no education, I wouldn't be making the same choices that I'm making now. And that would certainly have a different effect on my body as well as how I physically am feeling. And I don't think that's really acknowledged there. The last thing a new mom needs to worry about is really her physical body when it comes to food. If she has time to eat anything, that's a win. And I want to remind you of this. This is a period of life that's about survival. It shouldn't be about bouncing back. And hyper-focusing on your body's physicality will really rob you of any of the joy that you're meant to experience during this time. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Body image-wise, stuff hasn't come up for me so much. That doesn't mean that I feel great, like I have my old body back. In many ways, my body is unrecognizable for me. And 
I kind of like that. It really marks a change for me, similar to the stretch marks that I have. I've always kind of liked those. I felt like they've always symbolized the life that I feel like I've lived, which have come with, you know, difficult things. And this too was a, I wouldn't say a difficult loss. It was difficult. This too was a difficult life transition. It was a big one. It was an important one. It was a birthright in many ways. And so I like that the fact that my body looks and feels a bit different. For the first time, I feel like when I look in the mirror, I don't see a kid. I know many of you look at me and you probably don't see a kid and you can't understand what I even mean by that. But there's something about your early 30s, at least for me, and I think many of my friends where we're constantly saying things like, I can't believe we're old enough to have kids. I can't believe we're old enough to buy our homes. We can't believe like we're adulting. We constantly use that phrase. But for the first time, I really feel like an adult because I have heavy responsibility (laughs) weighing on me. And I look like a woman. I I guess when it comes to the body image stuff, I have it pretty quote unquote good because I have always lived in a thin body and my body, you know, I don't have to stress about what many people are stressing about. And I don't pretend to understand the weight of what that feels like emotionally. But yeah, body image is a topic that I talk about a lot. It's a big part of my work with disordered eating, with learning to listen to your body and Fork the Noise, my programs. And I want to remind everybody that body image isn't actually about your body size. It's about your perception of your body. And therefore, no matter what body size you are, if you occupy a small one like me, it's very likely that you may be experiencing negative body image stuff during pregnancy, before pregnancy, and of course, after pregnancy. So in mentioning so much of my body privilege and how far I have come really making peace with my body image stuff, I really want to make sure that if you're not there yet, your feelings are completely valid. And I don't mean to minimize them simply because I am talking about the thin body that I occupy and my bigger understanding of that now versus where I was in the thick of it, really not liking my body regardless of how much applaud there used to be. So yeah, it's not like I feel my most fit or my most sexy right now, but I'm actually quite okay with it. Moving on to the emotional aspect of postpartum. This part, I know I should have been more prepped about given that I know so much about mental health and I am aware of what postpartum depression is, but for whatever reason, it kind of came at me like a cyclone, lifted me off my feet and threw me into a tizzy, and despite having all the tools that I've ever had, none of them were available to me this time. So the first few days I felt bliss and I felt high. I remember sitting in bed with Evan and Soli and eating a bagel that was toasted perfectly. I think it was day like two or three. Dripping in cream cheese, crumbs and seeds going everywhere and just thinking like, this is it. I'm on top of the world. This is the best feeling ever and it'll never leave. And my best friend texting me who had a baby three months before me being like, just want to let you know, you know, the baby blues may happen to you. So be on the lookout for feeling kind of down and me thinking, okay, that's not going to happen to me. I feel really good. Next thing I knew, I was definitely feeling the baby blues. And from what I understand, the baby blues are kind of like a level of sadness that most women feel a couple days after giving birth. Some of that may turn into postpartum depression for some women, but most women feel this early onset feeling of downness, I guess is the best way to say it. 
And within the first few days after the high kind of cleared, I found myself crying and crying and most frustratingly didn't know why. Evan would say, why are you crying? And I couldn't put it into words. And again, I think that goes back to sleep deprivation, hormones, huge life shiftingness, feelings of defeat, just complete overwhelm and loneliness at the same time, even if you have a really supportive partner. So anxiety and depression, let's kind of talk about those. These are are two things that I'm quite familiar with in my life. Anxiety colored the first half of my 20s and depression really colored the second. I've been on medications. I know how to manage them without medications given the levels that I've been at. I've been on medication and off is what I mean. And I have tools to help me with these things. And I am a big fan of therapy and I'm not, you know, better than not going to therapy. And both of these hit me really, really hard. Anxiety was almost, is and was almost harder for me to manage simply because it's been a while since anxiety was at the forefront of my mind or or my feelings. You know, depression, I, I struggle with continuously. It's something I'm always kind of monitoring. But anxiety, that feeling of of general like buzzing in your body, unable to compartmentalize things in your brain, complete feeling of overwhelm was really at the forefront. And I guess, you know, the truth is we live in a painful world. There's lots of suffering, especially right now that feels like there's just so much going on in the world. And for the most part in real life, I know how to compartmentalize. I know how to put things in different boxes in my mind so that I can process them one at a time and understand where they stand in relation to me and danger. But with anxiety really feeling heightened, I felt completely raw, exposed, and unable to compartmentalize. So like it was all crashing down on me and I had a complete inability to really discern what was danger and what was perceived danger. So I think when we feel anxiety, we feel like everything around us is dangerous and everything is rushing in on us and the walls are closing in on us and they're inching closer and closer and we have nowhere to go. This is is what I felt like. And at the same time, it is now my new job to keep this baby safe. In general, I feel like anxiety is there to protect us. And that might sound weird, but I think women or new moms experience anxiety because it's our sole job to protect our babies. And in doing so, our senses are heightened. We're constantly scanning for danger to see what could hurt us or the babies and how we can keep them safe. But the problem is with anxiety is that we're not just noticing what's dangerous and reacting to it, but we're falsely reacting to things that aren't dangerous. At least in my experience, that's what I was doing. So I was just in this hyper reactive state where every stimulus around me, I was jumping at and it didn't actually make us safer. It just made living in my body more painful and it really disrupted the energy I was putting out into the universe compared to the energy I really like to put out, which is trusting, loving, and high vibrational energy. You know, this was a low vibe that I started putting out. And at the same time, I didn't know how to change it because everything felt so real and so imminent. We had a really bad uh, flood on day six of Soli's life. I know this is kind of you know my unique predicament, so I won't get into it too much, but it really, really, really jacked up my nervous system to the point where I think it really added to my postpartum anxiety and my inability to really figure out what is safe and what is danger and appropriately react. So for a long time, I just felt like I was failing every step of the way, like I was a bad mom 
like I was functioning at this terrible energy. And at the same time, I had no idea how to help myself out of it. Then came the depression. A mom referred to the first few weeks as the dark days. They were like, okay, mama, you're in it. These are the dark days. And I felt so validated to hear another mom say, yeah, it's dark for all of us. So I, again, just want anybody out there who may be going through it in the future or going through it right now to know that it is dark and it's okay that it's dark, even though if you feel so guilty for feeling dark when there's all this light and life that just entered your own life. And it was, again, just very frustrating to feel an overwhelming sense of sadness in juxtaposition to the most amazing, beautiful thing that just happened. And when I talk about all of these things, it's like I have the most amazing baby and all of that is kind of separate from all of this. It's like my experience as a woman transitioning and then there's also the baby. So the baby solely has not contributed to this by being a difficult baby or anything like that. It's just the general feeling that I was going through, even though I'm obsessed with my baby. And there's so much duality to this whole process that makes it so hard to grasp because duality is something that we really don't do well with in our in our society. We don't know how to understand that we could be both happy and sad, that we could be both grateful, but a little bit you know, wishing things were different in some ways. I think we really struggle with these these big feelings of duality because we're always taught to just try and be happy or, or try and be better or, you know, whatever it is. We don't realize that they can exist together. And so accepting that these things can exist together has been really helpful for me in many ways throughout this process. So I'm recording this two months postpartum, and although I feel like the darkest of days are kind of over and I've gotten days where I just feel really good again and like me and the anxiety doesn't feel so high, I'm not feeling as exposed and raw, I'm not going to pretend like all is good and well and I'm on my way out. Nothing about this process is linear. There have been days and moments where I'm right back into what it felt like that first and second week, and there are days where I feel like my old self again. And I think expecting that I'm in the clear here would be a little bit foolish as everything is still changing in my body and this transition is still very much transitioning. <laughs> and the baby herself is also developmentally changing so frequently that as soon as you get settled into one thing, another thing kind of pops up, which is amazing and wonderful, but it's important to not kind of ever think that you've got this whole thing figured out and instead tend to your mental health every single step of the way, recognizing that you're likely going to find yourself overwhelmed, going to need to scale back certain obligations that you have, and just don't think that you're ever too far in the clear where you neglect taking care of yourself on a basic level. That's what I'm telling myself as I kind of transition into month three of her life. All right, let's move into the questions submitted by you all. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 
24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. First question is, what's one thing that you wish you knew before having your baby? The one thing I wish I knew is that it's really all about survival, and that's okay. You're going to do things that you thought that you'd never do, that you said you'd never do, that you know better than doing, that you judged other people for doing with their children, and that's totally okay. You just have to do whatever you have to do to keep yourself sane and give yourself radical permission to understand that you've never done this before. I also wish I recognized that all babies are different, For the first couple of days and weeks when my baby felt super unmanageable to me, I started to ask people what they did for their babies to get them to stop crying, to get them off of terrible sleep schedules, all of that. And a lot of the things that they told me simply didn't work for Saleya. So things like swaddles and whatever it was, I would try. And they simply didn't work. And that's because all babies are different. All babies like to be soothed differently. And I felt like a failure when she was hating it. And I thought maybe, you know, I just felt so hopeless. But recognizing that every single baby is different actually allows me to tap back into my intuition as a mom and not follow this rule book that works for quote unquote every single baby because nothing works for every single baby. So for me, what's right for me is following my baby's cues and listening to her when she's crying, not just chalking it up to all babies cry, but recognize that crying is some sort of a means to communicate. And so if she's crying and I'm trying to swaddle her, even though it works for every single other baby, I'm not going to do that anymore. She's my guide and I'm following her lead. And that is what works and feels really good for us. I'm not a failure. She's not a failure. We are figuring this out on our own. Next question was asking about sex. (laughs) So I think that this conversation is best described by a conversation with my best friend. She's a mom of two. I told her that I went to my postpartum visit and she asked me how it was. The postpartum visit to your OB is six weeks after having your baby where they take a look at things and they basically just clear you for exercise and sex. It's a pretty mediocre, that's me being generous, appointment in my opinion. It doesn't cover mental health beyond, hey, how are you doing? And I think it's a really big miss on the medical front, but that's maybe for another podcast. Anyway, my friend asked me how the appointment went, and I said, great, all cleared for exercise and sex. And she replied, oh, I'm sorry. And that kind of summed up the whole thing. You know, not having a sex drive at this point is totally okay. Me thinking that, hey, will I ever have a sex drive again is totally normal. And truth is, I think that most women really aren't ready to jump back into sex quite at six weeks, quite like the doctors make it seem. So if you're there, just know that that too is normal. And if you don't have honest conversations with your girlfriends, you may not have realized that. But I have lots of those conversations with my friends and everyone seems to be on the same page, which is uh, sex is not on the mind. And when you do eventually have sex, it might not feel amazing right away. 
if you do have any concerns with sex, once you start having sex after pregnancy, if there's deep pain, I do encourage you to go back to your healthcare provider to find out what's wrong or what you can do, or perhaps see a physical therapist to discuss pelvic floor things. This is not my expertise. I just have some friends that have struggled and had to uh, see follow-up care for getting back to regular sexual activity that could be enjoyable. Next question. How are you and Evan getting along? This one is all about duality again. Evan and I went through something beautiful together, especially the way in which it happened in our home with no one else there in that emergency situation. You know, we have our baby, which is half of him and half of me. We are incredibly bonded in a new way, but it doesn't mean that we're not both exhausted. And most importantly, we're thrown into a very different life than the one we had before. We have very different roles as to how we contribute to the home. And I'm sure he would say that he feels unappreciated on the you know financial front as I'm on maternity leave right now and he's going to work at his usual hours of 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. and all of that. And for me, you know, I of course feel like I'm doing this part all alone, even though it's 100% what I signed up for and, and what I you know knew our life to be. But there's a level of exhaustion and no breaks that come with this role and his job as well is the same way that make you feel like you're doing it, you know, completely alone. So it can be really hard. And I think one of the hardest parts for me has been the biological response of a mom versus a dad. And Evan is fully obsessed with her, loves her, like would spend every second of the day with her if he can. He's a very involved dad or male. I know some males like aren't interested in like changing diapers or doing things. Evan is very much that, but the biological response that I am having versus him is just very different. And again, it goes back to my job as a mom to keep her safe. And I think that's really ingrained into me, but I'm much more sensitive to when she's crying, feeling upset about it or wanting to, you know, figure out what's wrong where he's able to, you know, put it in the back of his mind a little bit and not respond to it. So in some ways it feels like we're living two different realities because all I'm thinking about is her and Evan is able to think about other things, even his work or other types of things going on in, in our world, which is important because we have other things going on in our world. But again, it just feels like we had a shared reality prior to this and now we have a different reality and that can sometimes make me feel disconnected and frustrated. I remember talking to a bunch of people on Instagram right after I had her and some moms shared with me that they remember hating their husbands after giving birth because it would be 3 a.m. and they'd look over and their husband is snoozing. And in those early days, I remember thinking, oh, that's not me. You know, Evan's great. I want him to sleep and rest. I got this, da, 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 da. And within some time, those feelings, you know, started to, to come up for me. And I'm sharing that because, again, it's that duality. You could have those kind of evil thoughts about your partner and still love them. And you could have those really awful thoughts and not be ashamed of them because I think, Again, they're just really normal as you go through a really big transition. And the best thing you can do, as always, is communicate. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy communication. It's going to come with, um, I'm sure, difficulty. For us, it has as we figure out new roles, how to feel appreciated by the other person, how to feel supported. 
And again, we're still functioning on sleep deprivations. And as I'm holding a baby right now, I literally am, am holding onto my baby. She's sleeping in this little carrier. We're both doing so much that it's hard to be as meticulous with our words so that they land properly on the other person's ears. And so there has been a lot of tension as well as a lot of joyful moments and incredibly joyful moments, moments that are so joyful. I didn't know joy could feel like that. But I think that that's something that a lot of people keep hidden because when you see pictures of new families on Instagram in their Christmas sweaters or their pumpkin patch pictures, you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And I'm really confident in our relationship, mine and Evan, that we have a healthy one. That's all I could say. I can't say that it's perfect, but I can say that it's healthy because we do go through difficult things, but we make our way out of them oftentimes together. But having a confident relationship in both of us, I'm comfortable speaking about the difficulty that we have experienced. And again, highlighting that there's that duality. Yes, we're getting along, but there are a lot of moments that we're not getting along. And that certainly adds to the stress sometimes. But I do think it's very normal and very common. Next question was about breastfeeding challenges, and I'm glad I actually waited until now to speak about this because a lot has changed and a lot continues to change. So I right now I'm exclusively breastfeeding 95% from my breast. I do some bottle feeds where I pump, but I think the most important thing when it comes to this conversation is knowing that fed is best, and I really mean that. Breastfeeding is obviously great and great for the baby and healthy and all those things, but it's not the only way. And every mom and baby need to learn what's best for them, given their mental situation and given their physical situation, their ability to breastfeed um, from a physical production of milk standpoint, the baby's ability to latch, as well as that mental aspect. Breastfeeding is incredibly demanding physically and emotionally, and it's certainly not right for everybody. And that's only something I know now that I'm kind of here. In grad school, they talked all about how we need to encourage breastfeeding. And again, it's important to educate, but it's really important to meet somebody where they're at. And this is definitely not for everybody. It is crazy, crazy, crazy demanding. So I really encourage every woman to give breastfeeding a shot if that's something you're interested in. Learn the benefits, learn why. If that, if that is interesting to you, give that a go. But at the end of the day, make sure you do what's best for you without feeling guilty because the breastfeeding guilt seems to really be at the forefront of a lot of moms. And that's taking away the good things that can come from breastfeeding that I'll get into in just a moment. So yeah, it is really demanding. It's not something that I realized. I thought, okay, you know, a breastfeeder, it'll be fine. First of all, the whole thing, the whole shebang takes 30 minutes to an hour to feed, to burp, and to wrap up the whole session. So that's one hour. And then you're repeating it every two to three hours, which means a lot of different things. It means you physically can't do anything else when you're breastfeeding. It's not like you could type or you can be on your phone or you could even read a book. So that's that's a very demanding thing. You also have to always be able to get your breast out, which means you can't return to regular life because you constantly need to be able to take your boob out and feed your baby. And also on top of that, the baby is pretty unpredictable in the early days. I'm right now trying to kind of get her on a little bit more of a schedule or, or trying to figure out what her schedule is. But in those first couple of weeks, there was no schedule. It was on demand. And I felt like every time I stopped feeding, I felt this crazy pressure to go do whatever I wanted to do, whether it was run outside of the house or write an email or whatever it was, because I'd be right back there before I knew it. And I never expected that type of... <laughs> I never expected that type of intensity because of breastfeeding. 
It's also really physically demanding on the body, I think. Maybe I'm not doing it right, but there's a level of hunching over that's constantly happening. Somebody asked me if it hurts. There's a level of of hurt that happens kind of when she's latching for the first few seconds. That goes away, but there is, again, that physical new weight you're carrying as you hold your baby in your arms that can be a little bit painful. There's also engorgement, which can be painful when your breasts fill with too much milk or when the milk comes in every few hours. For me, there are are levels of pain that are not, I would say there's levels of discomfort that are there consistently throughout the day. So it's very, very, very challenging. And most interesting to me was thinking that after pregnancy, I'd be able to go back to eating what I wanted. But I'd actually say that with breastfeeding, I'm even more cautious of what I was eating than before because everything I'm eating, she's eating. And that's not just a nutrition standpoint. That's not even what I mean. What I mean is she's digesting what I'm digesting. And so if she's really, really gassy, like abnormally gassy, it's probably related to something that I ate. So I'm avoiding things that are super gas forming and spicy and I'm constantly just like taking feedback about what she's responding to and then altering my diet. And again, I thought pregnancy would be over and then I'd kind of get my life, my, my body back and my foods back. But that has been the opposite case. And I was totally unexpecting that. On the positive side, I have come up for air with the whole breastfeeding thing. And it, I've been able to enjoy it in the last few weeks, recognizing that I have been exclusively supplying her food and realizing how freaking cool it is that I've done that, that my body's done that, and appreciating that. I've been very lucky that my supply seems to be good, her latch is good, and I haven't had too many problems. Doesn't mean this has been completely easy, but um, I know a lot of people really struggle in this department. I also have breast implants, as many of you know, and that has not been an issue, which I'm really grateful for because when I made the decision to get implants at 18 and they said, you'll be able to breastfeed, I kind of didn't really even care if if that would happen because it seemed so far away and not something I had mentally wrapped my head around just yet. We have experienced cluster feeding, which is hours and hours on end of her just feeding. And that has been one of the most frustrating, difficult things to do. Again, you're just sitting there. It can be really hard to not be able to figure out how to satisfy your baby. And those cluster feeds just quite literally suck the life out of you. But the real reason that I'm glad I waited until now to really talk about breastfeeding is because I've had moments where I've been able to come up for air, catch my breath, and really reflect, not just be in the thick, thick, thick of it. In the beginning, there wasn't any enjoyment. There was just doing it and the exhaustion and just one foot in front of the other. But now that I've taken that small step back and I know what I'm doing a little bit, I can also see how good for my mental health breastfeeding is to be fully in that role of mom, to surrender for the 30 minutes, the 45 minutes that she's latched on to me. Breastfeeding produces the hormone oxytocin for both mom and baby. This is the same hormone that's produced during sex. So if you allow yourself to be present, there's amazing mental health benefits to it. It can make you feel good. But in order to really get those feelings, I've had to be really conscious about it. It's an easy time to be mindless, to get on your phone, to scroll, to do other things, which I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I do, but taking off of social media for a month so far that I've been off has been really helpful so that I'm not just mindlessly scrolling. 
I use my phone a lot right now, especially because I use this breastfeeding app, which helps me track how long I'm feeding for, which breast I start on and start to get to know her cycle. So it's hard for me to just push it to the side and be like, okay, I'm not going to use my phone right now because otherwise I forget to hit start and stop and all that stuff. So I use my phone a lot and it's hard to be off it completely. But that being said, not habitually opening the app, getting conscious about, okay, this is our time together. Use it to look her in the eye while she's feeding and get those benefits has been hugely helpful for me to lean into it and use it as a tool to be present and check in throughout the day. So now that I've gotten to experience some of those benefits for me, it's also going to be a little bit hard for me to transition away from breastfeeding now that I'm enjoying it more and I'm really proud of myself and I'm empowered by it. To wrap this up, fed is best, and I'm not saying that everyone should breastfeed, but in sharing my story, I do want to kind of share that I don't know where I will go with it, how long I'll exclusively breastfeed for, or even partially breastfeed for, but for the time being, I'm just really glad that I pushed myself to get to this part where I could find enjoyment with it, because I really really, really feel like it has been incredibly helpful for my mental health, even though there are huge physical challenges and as well as mental challenges in it being so demanding all of the time. So yeah, breastfeeding for me has and is a journey and it will continue to be a journey as I evaluate what my capabilities are. I work from home and I cannot imagine going back to work or going to a physical location where I need to then pump. It's Again, it's happening so frequently. You need to figure out where to store your milk to keep it cold. I'm incredibly grateful to be home, to have access to the refrigerator at all times, to have the luxury and the convenience to do this in the privacy of my own home. Will I add formula? Probably. At what point? I'm keeping this open-ended because I'm going to continue to monitor what's best for me and what's best for baby as she changes, as I change. And that to me just leaves it open-ended and allows us to really and truly do what's best for both of us. Have I been able to maintain any of my own daily health practices? Love this question. My brother on the hearse couple of days came over and he saw how stressed I was and how all over the place I was and how anxious I was. And he said, hey, have you meditated? And I literally both laughed and felt so much internal anger at the same time. My brother has two kids, so his his wife has carried two babies. He's been through this part. And it made me really realize how anyone, a male specifically who's had his own kids, can't understand what this process entails, how all-encompassing it is. And I felt so much frustration over the fact that he could see me carrying her, feeding her every second, and still couldn't understand what I was going through. So in short, no. Um, In the early days, there hasn't been much taking care of myself in the ways in which I typically would. Meditation, movement, you know, going inward and being introspective, journaling, you know, all that stuff wasn't on the forefront of my mind. But in my spare five minutes the other day, after a hour or two hour long cluster feed, I found myself laying on my bathroom floor, staring at the ceiling, letting my shoulders relax, and I took a deep breath. And I realized that for me, that was self-care. That was a health practice. And no, it wasn't a green juice or meditation or journaling or 10 push-ups. And that's okay. 
you know, this is even more so why I really try to explain that health is so much more than just a green juice or a cleanse or intermittent fasting. Health practices are whatever honors you in the way that you need it in the moment. And this is what I needed in the moment, as well as what was available to me. And as life changes, as you go through different seasons, as I go through different seasons, it's important to recognize that health is not a checkbox of green juice or lean meats or like whatever your idea of what like healthy is. Healthy is always changing and that's totally okay. It's so important to recognize that or you're going to feel like a failure every step of the way. So for me, taking that five minutes to breathe on the floor, doing absolutely nothing that would register as self-care on Instagram was a fantastic self-care moment for me. And I allowed myself to really indulge in that, recognizing that I didn't have to rush away from it to go cook a healthy dinner or rush away from it to use that time to journal or meditate because that truly wasn't and isn't available to me when I'm feeling so spent physically and emotionally. Sorry, Souls is joining the party here. Sally, can you be quiet so I could finish podcasting, please? (laughs) And so I recognize that um, my health practices are going to change as my life changes. And perhaps as her schedule stabilizes a little bit, I'll be able to integrate a little bit more of my traditional self-care in my favorite ways that I usually do. But for now, I'm just along for the ride. Next question, do I think the placenta pills help? Many of you know from listening to the birth story, I worked with a midwife who took my placenta, encapsulated them, and now I'm taking them every day as a supplement. Placenta is one of the coolest things for me. It's an organ that grows in your body during pregnancy, and it supplies all the nutrients to your baby. Because of my interesting labor, I got to sit next to my placenta for a long while on my bed, and I just stared at it and marveled at it. It's the most magnificent, cool thing. I know most people would think that it's gross, but it really is incredible that the body creates this, and then it leaves the body with the baby. And in some ways, I felt like I wasn't you know, able to leave it so quickly. It was kind of like a cool keepsake. So the question is, do the placenta pills work? They're supposed to help with mood and hormone balancing. They say there's no real evidence to support that, but there's also nothing to say that it's harmful. And that's why I decided to try the placenta pills. Again, can't say that it has dramatically helped, but I have enjoyed the practice of taking them every day and being reminded of that connection of what my body did and the placenta and the amazingness that happened just nine months ago. And again, it kind of triggers that important memory for me or that reminder that this isn't about bouncing back. There is no going backwards. What happened to my body, what my body did is incredible. There's only moving forward with the acknowledgement and utter appreciation of everything that has happened. Next question, is there a better way to prepare for postpartum? Some women have shared with me that they felt really betrayed by women of our society when they got to postpartum and felt alone like nobody told them. I haven't felt betrayed by women for not sharing more about the postpartum experience, but I have felt a little betrayed by women, specifically those who have given birth, gone through this process, who have either A, made just small talk with me when they've seen me, only asked about the baby, or kind of said something about my body, perhaps in a positive way. I think, first of all, no body comments are really necessary after giving 
birth or really ever. It just makes people feel uncomfortable. And second of all, I have felt the most connection to somebody when they've said something like, hey, I've been there, it gets better, or what you're feeling is normal. And so some of those small talk moments, even though I know it's so normalized in our culture, I feel like are such a miss of a way to connect with somebody more intimately. So if there were any feelings of betrayal, it's just in those moments where I feel like you have such an opportunity to make somebody feel a little bit more whole. And at the same time, you just talk about something so little. (laughs) Um, So I think it's, it's important to say things like, Um, Oh, I could imagine how hard it is. And perhaps you don't want to engage in further conversation, but recognize that, you know, what I'm going through has been huge and monumental, or that's amazing what you went through, or childbirth is such an incredible birthright or whatever it is. But I think really chalking it up to, you know, body or just asking about the baby could really be a miss on where you could really check in with somebody and really impact their mental health in a positive way. And I think we can really change the conversation to be equally as interested in mom as we are in the baby. So again, it's not just, oh, that baby's so cute. How old are they? It's again, asking mom, how are you? And acknowledging how difficult this transition is. So that wraps up the questions that I'm going to answer today. I did want to also share what I'm personally working on. As you can probably tell, my anxiety really got the best of me in the initial weeks and still does sometimes. And it really took away my ability to be mindful and present. I feel like fear had a strong grip on me and I hate the way I feel when I'm in fear mode. That's not me. That's an energy frequency. I don't like to function at. It's not good for me. It's not good for my home. It's not good for my baby. It's not good for, for anything. It's one of the reasons I took off social media for a bit. I just felt like I was drowning. And in order to come up for air, I had to really just take one thing off of my plate so I could be a little bit more present, do less mindless scrolling and really take advantage of the moments of presence when I can do it. Breastfeeding, for example, it's a wonderful time to just stare at my baby or take a moment with my thoughts rather than just be scrolling. And having those things in place, taking social media off my plate for a little bit is always a huge way for me to kind of gather back my my troops, if you will, get my wits together and kind of get back into the real me. And so, yeah, what I'm trying to do is really return back to what's present. With so much going on, I found myself really resisting, wanting things to be different in many ways and causing a lot of inner turmoil and turmoil around me as well. Hello, Soli. And I really recognized that I was doing that. So right now I'm really... <laughs> shh child (laughs) so (laughs) right okay right now I'm really accepting what is and not resisting just because I think that it could be another way and I'm trying to really just surrender to the process even the exhaustion and the parts that are really frustrating and make me feel really defeated as a result of just trying this practice out, I feel like my energy has shifted immensely. I have found myself feeling lighter and more oftentimes than not. And as a result, I feel like the energy that I'm putting out into the universe far, far away has even changed. Some of my little check-ins, like things that, that usually happen to me when I'm operating at the frequency I like to is, you know, I'll be thinking about somebody and they'll text me and that has already begun to kind of rehappen. And you might think I'm wacky for doing so, but you'll see when you start practicing gratitude and surrendering and not resisting and noticing when calling yourself out really when you're not being your best self and return to being your best self, the universe works in tangent with you and you start to really feel like 
what you're putting out, you're putting out for good reason. And so that was kind of like my little green light to keep going with what I'm doing, knowing that it is working. And these little shifts that we do really make a big, big, big difference. So this is my postpartum episode. I'm sure I'll do another one as things change and I learn more and I reflect more. But I wanted to give you guys the real, real on this. It has been incredibly, incredibly challenging. And it has also been incredibly, incredibly transformative, right? That duality has been at the forefront of just about everything. And even though I might have sounded maybe somewhat put together on this podcast, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I really don't feel all that put together at all. I feel like I'm just starting to get my bearings together and that feels really good, but I'm trying to not get too attached to that because as I've mentioned, everything changes every day for me and everything changes every day for her. So going back to just being present, that's my goal. And I'm super grateful to share this journey with you all. If you ever have any questions or you feel alone, please remember that you're not alone and I'm always just an email or a DM away. Thanks so much for joining me for this personal episode. I hope you loved it and I will see you next week on The Truthiest Life. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.